Um, in the last few weeks, as you can imagine, uh, I have uh, routinely and regularly been asked some form uh, of a couple of questions. Uh, what do I think about uh, the events going on right now uh, in the Ukraine? How do they fit uh, into uh, end-time events and prophecy? Uh, are we living in the last days? Um, some form uh, of those questions. Um, and the simple answer uh, is yes, uh, I do. Uh, but uh, I am of the uh, mindset, generally speaking, uh, that most everything that has happened uh, since uh, May the 14th of 1948, uh, when Israel was once again uh, created and constituted uh, as a nation, uh, that most everything that has happened since then uh, has fit into uh, the prophetic calendar uh, in one way uh, or another. Uh, and so, yes, the simple answer is, uh, yes, I do. Uh, I, I do believe we are in the last days. I do believe uh, everything going on there uh, and everything going on in the Middle East and everything going on here uh, all fits in uh, to uh, God's timetable. Uh, there, uh, there are a lot of events that are going on that uh, a lot of people are not, uh, they're not as uh, publicly uh, known. Uh, one would be uh, Israel is uh, involved uh, to the point that you may have seen it that the Prime Minister uh, of Israel was in Moscow uh, yesterday. And uh, of all places in the world, uh, on the way back from Moscow, stopped in Berlin uh, for a conference. Imagine that. Prime Minister of Israel uh, traveling on the Sabbath uh, to meet in Moscow and then Berlin. Uh, and so there are a lot of things that are going on. And they all fit. Uh, but quite frankly, uh, I said we have been living in the last days since May the 14th of 1948. Uh, we have been living in the last days uh, since the first of the book of Acts uh, when Jesus ascended to heaven and the uh, angels there told the disciples, this same Jesus whom you see uh, leaving will come again. Uh, we've been in the last days uh, ever since. And there has always been... Uh, a measure uh, of curiosity uh, regarding uh, that. We have uh, tried to uh, look at uh, all kinds of things and uh, assign them importance, uh, whether it be uh, the debit cards or uh, whether it be the chips they put in dogs to locate them, um, you name it. We have uh, checks. Uh, moving towards a cashless society uh, over the years, uh, the church has assigned uh, a lot of things importance uh, and thought, this is it. And yet we are still here. Uh, but we have been and we are living uh, in the last days. And what I want you to do this morning, we're going to look uh, at a passage of Scripture that is known uh, as the Olivet Discourse. And Jesus sits down and deals with some questions, uh, or a question, from uh, his disciples that give us uh, about as much insight into the last days uh, as we will find. Uh, 
Uh, and so this morning I want to talk to you about last day living. How do we live uh, in the last days? Uh, are we living in the last days? Yes, uh, I already answered that question. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, what I want you to look with me in this text, and we've got to back up just a moment and, uh, and take a running start at it. The first few verses uh, have uh, not a great deal to do uh, with the text other uh, than the setting uh, of what takes place. If you look in uh, verse 1, uh, we begin here uh, by noticing uh, the servant's distress. Look what happens uh, in verse uh, 1 uh, of chapter uh, 24. Uh, again, you can't separate uh, what's happening from uh, these couple verses. As Jesus went out. Uh, he's coming out of the temple. He's in uh, the holy city, and he's coming out. He departs from the temple, and the disciples come to him to show him the buildings uh, of the temple. And Jesus said unto him, See not all these things. Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And, uh, and so uh, that sets the stage for what is about to happen. Uh, the disciples and Jesus are at the temple. And they are starting out of the temple, and uh, the disciples are amazed. The temple buildings, uh, historians tell us, were some amazing structures. And as they came out, uh, the disciples, we know most of them were just, uh, you know, they were fishermen, they were just uh, country boys, and they were, you know, they were country boys come to town. They were, uh, you know, they were in the big city, and these big buildings uh, amazed them, and they pointed them out to Jesus. And I can only imagine, uh, as they walked along, they were, you know, like sightseers in the big city, they were, you know, wow, you know, look at these big buildings. And Jesus turns to them and says, yeah, they're pretty cool. He says, but I want you to know that every one of them will be destroyed. They're going to be torn down to the point where not even one stone or one brick remains on top uh, of each other. Well, the only way the disciples could reconcile something uh, of that magnitude, for us today, uh, we live in an age with, uh, you know, all these weaponries and bombs and things to, to blow a building apart and leave no brick together, uh, isn't real stunning to us. But for them, uh, they were like, what? And, and for them, the only way they could reconcile in their mind uh, that, uh, the, all these buildings were going to be completely and utterly destroyed was it had to be the end of the world. That, that's the only way that could happen. You know, that, that, again, they didn't have nuclear bombs. They didn't have missiles and all these things. And so the only way for them to reconcile uh, that these buildings were going to be completely destroyed uh, was, well, he must be talking uh, about the end of the world. Well, those couple of verses, uh, then they, they, there, there's, uh, there's, a, there's a time gap. We can't see, uh, it doesn't show up real clearly, and, and we don't know how much of a time gap, but somewhere between uh, being there at the temple and Jesus telling them that the buildings will be destroyed, they end up out on the Mount of Olives. And as they get there, uh, in that time gap, uh, I've got to believe that uh, some of the disciples, um, as they walked along, uh, some of the disciples had kind of began uh, to maybe drift back from the crowd a little bit and talk among themselves and say, well, what's he talking about? What? 
What's it? You ask him. No, you ask him. You know, and, and, you know, and so they've had this kind of ongoing conversation. They've had these thoughts um, in their mind till finally they get out uh, to the Mount of Olives. And the Bible tells them, uh, says there, that when they got there, he sits down. And the disciples come to him saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? There it is. Uh, they, the only way they could reconcile what uh, these buildings being completely destroyed was it had to be uh, the end of the world. And so they're disturbed by that. Uh, again, uh, they're, they're not thinking you know, 30, 40, 100,000 years from now. They're thinking next week, you know, this is going to happen. And so they are distressed. And... Uh, these events have done that. And we live in an age like that even today, uh, totally different circumstances, but we live in a situation uh, where many people uh, are distressed, many people are concerned, uh, they're wondering, uh, you know, what in the world, how does this all fit in uh, to the, the biblical timeline? What does this mean uh, about the end uh, of the world? And Jesus answered him and says, take heed that no man deceives you. And so the disciples here, uh, they have two questions really. One of them is, is, is when uh, will the temple be destroyed? And what will the signs be? How will we know it's about to happen? Well, plug in a few different words, but those are really uh, the questions that man still has today. When will the world be? When will the world end? And how will we know? What, what do we look for uh, to know uh, that uh, this is coming? And so we're going to have here, uh, first of all, I want to uh, point out something else uh, that Jesus says as he heads into this conversation. I know we have the, the, the servant's distress, uh, but notice the serpent's deception. He says, be careful. Don't let any man deceive you. Well, he says, don't let any man deceive you. But who is the father of lies? Satan. So if there is deception, it comes back to Satan. And so he says, don't let Satan deceive you. And, and what I see as I think about it, I think of the way that Satan operates in light of the end of the age. He operates, I think, in two ways. He operates, and he has two main deceptions uh, that, he, uh, that he peddles uh, in regard to the end of the times, end of the age, and we need to be careful of both of them. One of them is, is that he tells people, uh, one of his lies is, don't worry about it, it's not coming. They've been talking about the end of the age. They've been talking about the return of Jesus for thousands of years. It hadn't happened yet. Don't worry about it. It's a bunch of hooey. Them Christians, them preachers, they're all crazy. Ignore them. That's one of his lies. That's a dangerous lie. There are a lot of people today who are lost and on their way to hell believing that lie, that they'll never stand before God, that they'll never give an account, that there'll never be an end uh, to this age. They, they seem to think they're going to live forever. The other lie that Satan tells is more to the church. When we see events, and, and here's where I want to be, and I've got to be cautious today, is when we see events like we have seen in the last two 
weeks. Christians need to be very cautious that we don't um, oversell, for lack of a better word, that we don't oversell the return of Jesus Christ. Do I think the events that are going on now in the Ukraine are part of the timetable? Part of the, part of the grand scheme of things? Absolutely. Does that mean Jesus is coming today? I don't know. Does it mean he could come today? Well, yeah, he could have come yesterday. But he may not come for another ten years. And so as Christians, we need to be very careful that we don't misrepresent the return of Christ, the end of the age, the end of time, the rapture, the second coming, whatever you want to call it. I saw just yesterday evening somebody, and I don't remember exactly how it was worded, so I'm not going to try to quote it, but basically somebody had posted on social media basically that very thing. You, uh, when this is over, are you Christians going to admit uh, that basically are you going to admit you don't know what you're talking about? And so we've got to be very careful in how we present the end of time and the return of Jesus. He is coming. It could be today, but it doesn't have to be. And so there's two ways Satan is, and, and, when, and if we're not careful, what I, what, the reason I say that is just like the, the post I'm talking about on social media, you know, are you, you, know, are you Christians going to admit you were wrong again or something like that? I, I forgot how it was worded. You know, but we have to be very careful that we don't turn people against Christ in our presentation, in our belief. You with me? You follow? You tracking with me? What I'm saying is we can't run a young. Here's a lousy illustration. Stick with me. How many of you remember the story about Chicken Little when you was growing up? The sky is falling, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Yeah. Or a little boy that cried wolf. Yeah. He kept crying wolf, and then when the wolf did come, nobody believed him. So we've got to be very careful in how we present the return of Jesus Christ. He is coming. You, you need to be ready. And so we, we do that, but we have to be very cautious uh, <coughs> with that. And so Jesus warns his disciples that they have to be very careful about being deceived. That they have to be very careful. I would even say, I hadn't really thought about this to, in preparation, but a third way of deception is that even many Christians come to the point where they think, well, I'll live however I want to today because I've always got tomorrow. Don't be deceived, Jesus says. Don't be deceived. They're, they're, you know, when we're dealing with end-time end prophecy, and, and here's one of the other challenges, and I, I will tell you just, I'm not going to explain it because I don't have time to cover everything, but I'm going to tell you I am, when it comes to end-time events or eschatology, as it's called, I am 
pre-trib and pre-meal. You go home, look that up, figure out what it means. Just simply put, it means, I, I, I'll, I'll give you a brief synopsis. It means I believe the rapture will take place before the tribulation. And at the end of the tribulation, Christ will return again for, uh, in victory, and then the millennial reign will begin. That's how I believe eschatology, um, but there are others who don't believe that. Um, and I, you know, I've debated many of them, and they hadn't changed my mind, and I hadn't changed theirs. What we generally, and I, I, I don't discuss these events with people who I can't discuss it this way. When we get done, we walk away as friends believing that whenever he comes, the only way you go on with him is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, that, that's, that's, you know, if you believe that Christians are going through the tribulation, I'm going to tell you I disagree. I, I, I think I can defend that biblically. But, you know, not going to argue with you. As long as you believe that whenever he comes, the only way you get on the bus is through the blood of Jesus. Yeah, we'll work out all the time. I, I got one of my one of my best friends in the world. He personally, he, his belief is that we are, we have been living in the tribulation ever since Jesus ascended. I can't reconcile that to save my life. Yeah. I've tried to get him to fit that into seven years. I've tried to get him to show me where a third of the green grass has been destroyed. I've tried to get him to show me where a third of the, uh, of the waters have been. And, he can, uh, and, and so we, we generally end up at this point. I've told you before. Listen, okay, I'm just telling you, I'm going to heaven seven years before you do see you when you get there. You know, we're still friends. Uh, but and we still believe again the only way you get in there is through Jesus Christ and we also understand that when it's all said and done we both might be wrong except for one thing the only way you get in there is through Jesus Christ you say you keep saying that you're right because that's the only part that really matters but let's look at what Jesus said let's think about this for a moment now let me be careful and point out to you this passage is directed to the Israelites. And we're eavesdropping, we're reading their mail. Okay? This passage is specifically designed around Jewish history. But everything happens around Jewish history. Okay? And so let's look at what Jesus says, the Savior's description. What does Jesus say about how we will see what are the signs of the end of the time. Now, if you came this morning wanting me to tell you it was going to be May the 3rd of 2023, um, all I really know to tell you, and I hate to be ugly, but the door's over there because you ain't going to like because I'm not going to tell you that. And I'll tell you this, anybody else that gives you a date, they're nuts. They're a liar. If they, tell, if they tell you they had a vision, had a sight, whatever, the Bible says the only person who knows is God himself. And so I don't know what day. But I do know, based on Scripture, how to see when that day's getting close. Here it is. Jesus says to him. He says in verse 5. Look with me. We're just going to read through this whole passage, and we're going to go back. Many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. 
Ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and shall be, uh, you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another, Many false prophets will rise, shall deceive many, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Now, the first thing I want you to see is the key to understanding everything Jesus just said is in verse 8. Verse 8. You know, again, I recognize and honor that that some do not write in their Bible. Cool. Don't, I'm good with that. You'll notice no writing in mine either. I'm kind of the same way. Uh, once in a while I'll break down if it's something I really want to remember, I'll write. But I generally don't. I don't know why, I just don't. But now my mother, she writes all over her. She can't see what God said for what she wrote down. Uh, you know, uh, I said, now that's fine. But however you want to do it. But if you do write in your Bible, mark verse 8, because it is the key to understanding this passage. He says in that passage, he says um, that all these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, if you have a translation of the Bible other than the King James Version this morning, in all likelihood, it says all these are the beginning of birth pains or birth pains just depending on what translation you're carrying. Sorrows here means birth pains. Now, I'm about to get out of my arena, and ladies, my apologies up front. I haven't had any children, and I have been there when, when three were born, and if it was up to me, we'd be childless, okay? But I do know a little bit about watching about birth pains. It starts something like this. That didn't feel right. That didn't feel right. Oh. That felt terrible. I think we need to be go to the hospital. Okay. And it proceeds to, uh, 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 ah! <laughs> That's what Jesus says about the signs of the end of the times. For example, the very first thing that he mentions, he says many will come. And let, me, let me show you how this applies and then just keep this in mind as we move forward. He says they, are, they will be like birth pains. Again, birth pains, my poor, and ladies, again, I apologize, my very poor illustration of, of, of birth pains. But you know how they work. They start out mild, way far. First thing, you call the doctor. What's the first thing he'll ask you about your, about your contractions? How far apart are they? Well, if they're that far apart, just stay home. 
when they get to be, I wasn't paying attention to five minutes. That's a man's voice. Who was that? You probably ought to be quiet on this conversation. You get in trouble if you're not careful. Five minutes apart, come to the hospital. You go to the hospital, and they're five minutes apart, and you're pretty sure you're going to die. I haven't had one, but I've watched. I'm not telling you I know. Ladies, don't be throwing stuff. But what you don't know, when they're five minutes apart, is it's going to get much worse. Right? So what Christ is saying about these signs is they have been going on since Jesus ascended to heaven. There have been people coming and saying they were Jesus since Jesus left. There have been earthquakes throughout history. What Jesus says is they're going to be like birth pains. They're going to get closer together and stronger. Okay? Keep that in mind as we look at the signs that he says and some of the information I, I just want to pass along with you. First thing that he says, first sign, look what he says. Keep that birth pains analogy in mind. Many will come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. Throughout time, there have been people who have come claiming to be the Messiah. Always have been. They, from, from the early ages of the church, there have been people who were coming uh, around uh, and, and billing themselves with messianic properties. Hitler, uh, you know, uh, you, know uh, you can go on, uh, Marx, uh, again, there have been those who, uh, who have come forward and led people to believe uh, that they were uh, messianic. In our culture, or in our, uh, in our day, two of the ones that, when I think of this passage, immediately uh, come into my mind are Jim Jones and David Koresh. Those of you who remember those two uh, wackos, uh, Jim Jones uh, took a whole group, if you remember, down to, I believe it was Guinea, uh, and led them, and finally uh, had them all poisoned or set. Um, uh, David Koresh had the group out in, uh, in Texas, uh, never did quite follow uh, that group, uh, quite comprehend how they decided he was the Messiah, uh, because it was one thing I noticed about David Koresh the first time I saw this guy who was claiming to be the Messiah. Let me give you a hint. He had glasses that were so thick the boy could see people when he looked at a map. He could see people waiting. And I'm thinking, if you're the Messiah, you need to do something about your friends. But they're following him everywhere. And that, as we look around the world, that has only uh, increased. Those are two of the most common names, two of the ones uh, that are uh, the most uh, well-known. But a simple Google search uh, on your Internet browser will reveal uh, that there have been no less than a hundred notable claims of people to be Messiah. Now, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of others little, you know, running around that we don't know about. 
But there's been no less than a hundred that have stepped forward and made bold, known, visible claims uh, to be uh, the, uh, the Messiah. And so Jesus says, that's the first sign. Well, we've got it. We see it. Yeah. You, you, you know, we, we see it around us. Second claim that he says, second sign that he says, and this is the one that's got everybody in a tizzy right now, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. Be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. In 2021, the, the year we just completed, 174 out of 197 recognized nations were in some type of battle for war. 174 out of 197. At this very moment, it may have changed some in the last few days, but as of my study and research this week, at the very moment I was studying, there were 102 wars, battles, somewhere in the world at that moment. You don't hear about all of them. They don't all make the evening news. But there are wars and rumors of wars all around us. Third sign Jesus points to, natural disasters. There will be famine, pestilence, and earthquakes. Let's talk about famine. All of us, thankfully, I don't think too many of us are personally familiar with famine. We do know what it means. Famine. Um, and again, war in the second sign and famine typically go hand in hand. Example, the Ukraine produces the biggest part, a majority, a huge part, portion of the wheat consumed by the world. You biscuit eaters better pray for the Ukraine. Famine and war go hand in hand. If they start tossing nuclear weapons around, you're talking about making areas uninhabitable, unusable, long after we're dead and gone. Shooting rockets at nuclear plants. That's about as dumb as the Palestinians throwing rocks at Israelis with machine guns. Famine goes hand in hand. Revelation chapter 6 suggests to us uh, that the staple foods uh, will, uh, the price will uh, get so high that it takes a day's wages for the staples. I saw a guy yesterday at pump three get $10 worth of gas. I asked him, where are you going, pump four? <laughs> famine. Not only famine, uh, in, in November of 2021, 45 million people around the world are on the brink of uh, starvation, 43 countries. The year before that, um, 
it was, uh, excuse me, earlier in the year it had been 42 million, and in 2019 it had been 27 million. So it had almost doubled in a year the number of people on the food, uh, I can't think of a fancy phrase they use now, food, in, in, food endangered, I believe it is. Went from 27 million in 2019 to 45 million in 2020. Again, remember, Jesus is going to be like birth pain. It's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. Famine. Pestilence. Do I even need to talk about pe- You know what pestilence is? Pestilence is disease. Anybody been awake the last two years? Pestilence. Now, again, um, and here's the interesting thing about that. You have famine. You have war. Then you have famine. Well, a lot of times the rich people can avoid war and famine. But disease will come get you. It doesn't have any respect for your checking account. Pestilence. Um, I said, you just, the rich may get around that. But we've got, think about some of the things that we have heard in the news in the last few years. Besides Corona. Throw Corona out. We don't even talk about Corona. AIDS, Ebola, flesh-eating viruses. Flesh-eating viruses. In 2020, we've heard all about COVID, but according to the World Health Organization, in 2020, there were 20 pandemics and endemics around the world. Obviously, COVID got all the news. Birth pains. More of them, stronger. Earthquakes. In 2021, there were three earthquakes around the world that had a magnitude greater than 8.0. That's the most since 2007. Birth pains. Stronger and more of them. Stronger and more of them. The number of earthquakes on the Richter scale between 5 and 5.9 compared uh, to uh, 2047, uh, which was up the highest it's ever been. Birth pains. Sign number four. But he says in this verse, he says, Then shall they deliver you up, to be afflicted and shall kill you and shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Religious persecution. We live relatively isolated from any thought whatsoever of religious persecution. Our idea of religious persecution is somebody laughing at us for saying the blessing. Somebody joking at us. State of the pew. The, the state of the pew uh, says this. Uh, re, re, the Pew Research Center, which is a huge um, statistical research gather thing. And I want to read quote just 
literally what they said. In 2018, the global median level of government restrictions on religion, that is, laws, policies, and actions by officials that impinge on religious beliefs and practice continued to climb, reaching an all-time high since the Pew Research Center began tracking in 2007. The attack on religious people has been on the rise since 2011. 56 nations, representing a quarter of the population of the world, have imposed high restrictions, uh, or high or very high restrictions on their population. Again, Christians, and most of you are aware of this and already know this, Christians, by far, research says, are the most persecuted religion, uh, finding harassment in 149 countries. And it's not just somewhere in the dark woods of Africa or Russia or China. China did just recently pass a law about uh, evangelism, making it illegal. But our good neighbors to the north, Canada, have been cracking down. Canada's put in some laws that basically make it illegal to share the gospel. To share the gospel. Let me, let, me let me make sure I try to get this correct. They've basically made it illegal to share the gospel with the purpose of converting someone. Which, if you think about it, basically is the precursor to making church illegal, making preaching illegal. Sign number five, apostasy. Look what he says in this verse. Then shall many be offended and shall betray one another, shall hate one another. Listen, um, apostasy, betrayal, division. Big movement today in church circles is to change the Word of God to remove and make it gender neutral. No more he's and she's in the Bible. These and thems and those. And I don't even know how to talk that way. If that becomes a rule, I'm just going to walk around and be quiet, I reckon. And that's not new. Thirty years ago, a friend of mine was at Southeastern Seminary, and a professor in the class stood up and prayed. I almost can't even say it. Our Mother God, great seamstress of the universe. Birth pains getting more and more. Sign number six, what it says here. <clears throat> false leaders offering false hope. Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. False teachers. False teachers. I, I'm just not even going to call names. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be nice today. Um, false teachers. Those who are perverting the word of God. We have them in this. We have them in this very town. We have them within walking distance of this church. How's that? I'll be even more blunt. 
be even more blunt. Walk that way. False teachers. And ultimately, I think the greatest sign we see in thinking of the birth pains is here in this passage when he says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Great falling away. The increase of lawlessness. A great falling away. I shared this statistic with you before. In the Southern Baptist world, and I can't, I, I, I'm not qualified to speak about anybody else, but in the Southern Baptist world, our highest number of baptisms in the last 50 years was 1971. Ever since 1971, salvation, baptism, and the Baptist church has just steadily went downhill. In fact, if we took out the foreign missionary, the numbers from the foreign mission fields out of our baptisms, they'd probably be too embarrassing to report. Jesus says, you want to know when the end of time is? You want to know when the end of the age is? I don't have to give you a date. He says, look around you and see the events that are taking place. Look around you and see what's happening. Look at the frequency. Look at the, not just the, the quality and the quantity. How many and how bad. Children suing their parents for divorce. Right here in our community. Children killing, killing their parents. Miranda, can I tell what you told me the other day? Did she say yes? Okay, well, I won't do it then. It was in the news, just not details. Okay. Children killing their parents. Let's just leave it at that. When we look at those things, I don't need to tell you May the 3rd, June the 1st. When you look at those things and consider them in light of that one verse, like birth pains, if you don't see that the end of this age could be today. Then you wouldn't believe it if it said right here, March the 9th, 2022. If it said March the 9th, 2022, right here in this book, there are some who would say, oh, that's wrong, they use a different calendar, uh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. They come up with all kinds of excuses. Because if you can't look at that list and look at his statements, that they'll be like birth pains, and look at history and realize that does the Ukraine signal the end of this day? Absolutely. Does the crime, does the lawlessness, does the decline of the church? There have been all kinds of signs that we've turned our back on. And we this cashless society, credit cards, debit cards, 
All those things, are they part of the city? Absolutely. Jesus didn't need to give us a date. He gave us a system. He gave us a way that we could see without a doubt. So what do we do? There's two things we do. We can back verse 4 again. Jesus answered them and said, Take heed that no man deceive you. Take heed that no man deceive you. The church, believers, we need to be sure that we know the truth. I've been nice, but it's been a couple of times somebody would ask me, say, what do you think about, do you think this stuff over there in Russia and all has to do with the end of time? Well, duh. Have you read your Bible at all? Don't be deceived. Be aware of what's going on around us. Know the truth. But then here's the last thing. I want you to, and, and this gets overlooked. Look back with me at verse 6. You'll know, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you not be troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. How many people have you heard quote that verse this way? You know, in the end, there'll be wars and rumors of wars. Period. Is that the way you usually hear that verse? You know, they said, the Bible says there'll be wars and rumors of wars. Exclamation point, maybe. There'll be wars and rumors of wars, no period, no comma. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't be troubled by it. Listen, I'm not here today, and I'm not, I haven't told you all these things to leave. If you leave here scared, you miss the point. If you leave here fearful about tomorrow, you miss the point. Because Jesus himself, in the middle of all this, is, don't worry about it. He says they must be. They're going to happen. And one day, Jesus is going to split the eastern skies, and he's going to take his people home, and that's going to be it. Amen. But you don't have to be scared. There is no reason for a Christian to watch the news, see world events, see current events today, and have one iota, one ounce of fear in their heart. We ought to be, I heard about a group of special needs children. And they went in and they had like a little Bible study and devotion with them. And the person leading the devotion said, Jesus is coming soon. And when he did, every one of those little special needs kids jumped up out of the desk and ran over to the window and looked out. That's the way Christians ought to be. When we hear Ukraine, when we hear Russia, when we hear earthquakes, 
disease, famine, pestilence. We ought to be looking up for our redemption. You always know. But here's the other thing. And here's where most of us are failing. When we hear earth, when we hear earthquake, when we hear famine, when we hear pestilence, when we hear disease, when we hear Jesus coming soon, not only should we be looking up, but we should be getting somebody else by the hand and saying, hey, you better look up too because Jesus is coming. Fixing good from preaching the metal. Hold on to your seat. Buckle up. If we were as concerned about our kids being ready to meet Jesus as we are about them being ready to take a test at school or do their homework or being able to hit a curveball or being able to do a flip or being able to shoot a free throw, if we were as concerned about their spiritual condition as we are all those things, we'd see a difference in the world. If we were as concerned about Jesus returning, being ready, getting others ready, as we are a promotion at work, or some of that other, or we are getting our gutters cleaned out, or some of those other things, I didn't, it may be important, but in a million years, nobody's going to care if your gutters is clogged up or not. You're going to care what you did with Jesus. You'll care what you did with Jesus. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. I want to invite you this morning to come and to kneel, to pray. Christians, Lord, help me to be ready. Help me to get others ready. Don't let me be afraid. Give me courage. Give me strength. Help me to share the good news of Jesus with those around me. Pray for those lost loved ones by name. Call them out, your children, your neighbors, that God would save them. That God would change them. Is the Ukraine a sign of the end of the time? Absolutely. But that clock's been ticking for 2,000 years. Most importantly today, are you ready to meet Him? If you're here today and you don't know Christ, if you join us online, you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, would you come, would you send us an email, call? I'm going to tell you how you can know Jesus, how you can be ready to meet Jesus. Would you come and pray for those in the Ukraine, for our Baptist, our fellow Baptists that are on the scene there. However God stirs your heart today, we really believe we're in the last days. This should bring us to prayer. It should bring us to action. Father, we thank you today for your word. While your son didn't give us a date, that this world would end, he didn't give us a date. He gave us all kinds of signs. He made them crystal clear. All we had to do was look around us. He 
Heavenly Father, I thank you today uh, for allowing us to be back here. Lord, in your name. Go with us. 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 Go with us.